Kia ora, it's Yaroa, and welcome to Generally Famous Stuff Podcast. I'm Simon Bridges, and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love, and what makes them tick. Today's guest is of Jamaican ancestry, an English barrister, mastermind winner, and a favourite chaser and star on one of the UK's, and I've got to say, New Zealand's most successful and longest-running game shows ever, The Chaser's Dark Destroyer, Sean Wallace. Welcome, Sean. Good morning. How are you? Now, I know, I know, I feel like a stalker. I know a lot about you, Sean. Um, in fact, maybe you could be my mastermind um, sort of topic because I've been doing my research. You're obviously born in the UK, um, London, and specifically Wembley. Yeah, I've lived on the same road for the last 59 years, Simon. So uh, I'm speaking to you, looking out at uh, sunny Wembley. I can see in the foreground the magnificent Wembley Stadium. Fantastic. And look, I mean, you are... I don't want to put words into you, but you're football mad is my sense of it. You have been since, you know, that, that 59, actually. I know it's coming up 63 yeah. years. And yeah. Chelsea's your team. Is that why, I suppose? Why football mad? Why Chelsea? I, I, well, as I say, football's the number one sport. As a kid growing up, uh, obviously, uh, in the era when England won the World Cup. Uh, but specifically, why Chelsea? is Because uh, I had a cousin who was a big Spurs fan. Uh, and uh, I used to really look up to him. But... Uh, in the 1967 FA Cup Finals, the, uh, Wembley's first ever London FA Cup Final. So just to annoy him, I said, I'm going to support the team in the dark shirts, and it happened to be Chelsea. I've had a lifelong love affair with Chelsea and a lifelong loathing of Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> and and you, you are constant. I mean, you know, why move from Wembley? You've, you've lived there all your life. Why change from Chelsea? It's been your team since then. Exactly. As I say, uh, when people say to me, they're astonished that I've lived on the same road for the last 59 years, uh, despite my so-called fame. I turn around and say to him this, uh, no matter how famous you are, you can only live in one house at the same time. And I, pr- I presume the people on your your street, you know, I mean, it's yeah, they're like, yeah, well, that's Sean. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly little the, Sean. Yeah. The little Sean, uh, big Sean, uh, Sean that they're really proud of. And I'm proud to be associated with the road and the area in which I live. And uh, they're proud of me and I'm certainly proud of them. Uh, you know, and I've seen the diversity of the area in which I've grown up. Uh, it's, it's vibrant, it's diverse, uh, culturally diverse, and it's just wonderful to be associated with such a wonderful place. Um, I wasn't going to go here. Was, we've got so much to cover, but Wembley, I mean, has it changed a lot in those in that time? Is it gentrified or what's it done? I wouldn't say gentrified. As I say, more culturally diverse. You see a lot more uh, 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 um, different sort of nationalities have um, made the place a sort of lively, vibrant, and a wonderful place to live, really. Just on coming back to the sports for a second, I mean, you, you know, and I think others on the chase say this about you. I mean, if it comes to football, there is no one who's got to be better at a quiz than you. Am I right? Don't be modest. Yeah, yes, I suppose so. But there's more to me than just sort of football knowledge. Uh, my yeah. knowledge of history is very, very good. Uh, and when it comes right. to my dates, uh, you know, I'm exceptional. For example, I know that the Treaty of Waitangi was signed on the 6th of February, 1840. And people are astonished, that, uh, you know, astonished how I know the importance of signing the date. It's because of the young kid. Uh, I was always fascinated by history. And most of the quizzes in the world, the top quizzes in the world, are good because their history is good. Yes. Because history tells the origins of the story of how society developed and grew. And if you have a love and appreciation of that, uh, you'll have a love and appreciation of the origins of and other subjects like the history of football, the history of music, yeah. the history of science. And so so that's how I became um, really passionate in terms of trying to develop my own knowledge as a little kid. Actually, I remember you saying something um, 
I don't know where I saw this. No information is useless information. That's correct. No information is useless. Um, and in your game, that's absolutely true. Exactly. Can you think of any Kiwi questions you've been asked on the chase? Um, not, I, not that I have been asked specifically. Yes, I have actually. I was asked a question in relation to um, a Kakapo, which I knew was a parrot. And the only reason I knew that is because of the fact I've been to New Zealand. So, um, yeah, I have been asked questions. Oh, well, you, you know, what's so depressing is I think you'd beat me on a New Zealand history um, a quiz, which, you know, is, is no, nothing I should be proud of. Um, just on Wingbley as well. I mean, it's obviously iconic and worldwide iconic. I mean, we all know yeah. it and so on. Um, did you go to games and concerts and so on when you were growing up? And do you now? Um, I mainly go to whenever Chelsea in the cup final, I'm there. Yeah, put it that way. Um, so I, I've been to quite a few uh, uh, cup finals uh, involving Chelsea, not involving Chelsea. So mainly uh, cup finals I would normally go to. I saw Chelsea do the double there in 2010. Uh, which is fantastic. So uh, I've got an iconic picture of my wall uh, of Chelsea doing a double with the two tickets. Uh, firstly, when we beat Wigan 8-0 to win the league, then the following uh, Saturday, beat Portsmouth 1-0 to win the FA Cup. So it was wonderful to see that. Outstanding, outstanding. Your upbringing, I mean, I, I'm not going to suggest again, I mean, some history is, I like history, but I don't have the strength you do. Um, your parents were part of the so-called Windrush generation in the Caribbean, Jamaica specifically. They were the second wave of the Windrush generation, yeah. Well, what was your upbringing like as a young, you know, black kid? My upbringing, I had a happy upbringing. Um, although, as I say, my mum and dad eventually divorced, ironically, on my 15th birthday. I did have a happy upbringing. Uh, and uh, one of the things I was grateful for, uh, 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 you know, obviously the breakup of marriage is always sad, but I never took sides yeah. uh, in relation to uh, saying it was mum's dad's or, mom's or dad's fault. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I was grateful for that um, I had my dad playing a prominent role in my life. Because sometimes when you do see the breakup of relationships, you know, one uh, parent moves away and uh, the other parent has his old custody and care and control. But I was fortunate that my dad still, I saw my dad every week. Right. Uh, and sometimes a young black man growing up in particular in England, uh, I, I do have that uh, problem by not having that sort of uh, male figure, uh, uh, role model to actually look after them, to guide them. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful in that regard that despite being uh, from a uh, divorced uh, uh, family, uh, that my dad played a prominent role in my life. And did being Jamaican mean much growing up as a lad or? Yeah, yeah, I was very, very proud. You know, obviously in the 60s, uh, you know, racism was rife um, uh, and it was overt. But I was proud to be black uh, because uh, uh, people with the same colour of skin as me had were making um, wonderful progress on the world stage. Pele was the world's best footballer. Uh, Garfield Sobers hit six sixes, the first person to do so. Muhammad Ali, I could go on, Bob Marley. So they were making uh, a, a tremendous uh, um, uh, progress on the world stage. And as a young a black boy, seeing somebody had the same colour of me making such a, uh, a, a brilliant progress, I used to say, if I had a fraction of what they've achieved in my life, then my life's going to mean something. So it's always important to have role models to actually aspire to look up to. And some, it's a shame we're not in one of my rooms because uh, I've got a big flat at the back of my garden where my nephew lives. And I've got a big mural on there called My Inspiration, where all my black heroes from um, Sojourner Truth to Tommy Smith doing a Black Power Salute to yeah. uh, Jesse Owens, uh, to Pele, to um, Martin Luther King. 
and the big inspirations in the middle of that mural is my mum and dad. Wonderful. So, you know, I, I am proud and grateful, um, proud to be black and, and grateful for those people who inspired me to be the person I am today. I also know, because I said I've already, I've admitted I've been stalking you, you know, you did that TV show around DNA Journey. Yeah. You went back to Jamaica. I mean, did you learn a lot doing that? What What didn't you know? Well, um, what I didn't know uh, was that I was one of the most fortunate uh, people who could actually chase uh, the lineage of uh, from my mum's side going back to nearly 300 years. And it's a shame we're not in a room where you can actually see. Um, I had commissioned a, a, a drawing, a visual representation in my mind of what my grandparents going back six generations would look like. So I had that drawn and there on my wall. And it was wonderful to know and uh, surprising to know uh, that uh, records were still kept going back to the sort of mid-18th century. Uh, so I was one of the fortunate ones who can actually trace their lineage going back so far. So, Because I presume they were, they were slaves. Yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, my great-grandmother four times removed. Um, uh, the uh, manager of the uh, estate where she was a slave fell in love with her. And when he died, he actually left his estate to her. So it just goes to show throughout, throughout the horrors of slavery that there were some people who still had an altruistic uh, love, irrespective mm. of the colour of your skin. And that was um, really heartrending. You you are now, we share, um, there's many things we don't share, but in terms of our professional careers, there's some similarities there. Okay. You are a barrister. You are a criminal barrister. That's how I started my, um, uh, my, my uh, professional um, life. I think I'm also right to say you, you've been wanting to do that. You were wanting to do that from a young age. Yeah, when I was 11 years old, I wanted to be a lawyer. I used to watch programs. I don't know if they had it in New Zealand, the uh, Rumpole and the Bailey. Yes. Uh, and we have a program called Crown Court. So, you know, I see people using their abilities to actually represent the underprivileged um, uh, people who needed representation in court. And I was so fascinated how uh, people can actually uh, use their skills in a sort of... Uh, altruistic way to try and help people and plus the fact that you got to dress up in a wig and gown so I wanted to be like that so uh, when I was 12 years old I actually wrote to the bar council uh, and they told me what I needed to achieve uh, uh, in terms of qualifying as a barrister uh, and I kept that letter for, as a source of inspiration and, and uh, a drive to try and achieve those dreams and ambitions and uh, um, you know, it was it was a tough struggle because, as I say in my autobiography, although I had a computer-like brain, there's a difference between having a computer-like brain and knowing how to pass exams. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I wrote the autobiography, Simon, is because I want people to realise that if you do have setbacks in your life, and I had academic setbacks, it doesn't define you as an individual. Right. Uh, eventually, a penny dropped, uh, and uh, when I did qualify as a barrister, even to this day, uh, it is the proudest achievement I've achieved in my life because as a young boy, I was like Muhammad Ali. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be the greatest. And if you talk the talk, you've got to be able to walk the walk. Yeah. And even amongst the celebration, the one thing that struck home to me was this, and it's always a message which I always uh, uh, impart when I go to schools, colleges, even prisons, that uh, irrespective of all the success you achieve in life, all it does is bring you to the start line of a different challenge. Because that's all what success does. Yeah. You can never, ever rest on your laurels. I mean, after we finish this podcast, I'm going to go outside, do my training stint for about uh, a half an hour, because it's important for me to keep my mind and uh, body physically uh, and mentally sharp. Uh, later on today, uh, I'm going to be uh, revising for the best part of two hours, because uh, we're in the middle of doing Beat the Chasers at the moment. 
So I've got to keep myself mentally sharp in terms of uh, answering questions or trying to compete with the other. Um, Sh- Sean is doing this early morning uh, London time. I'm uh, early evening uh, ki- Kiwi time. And what's it like? Is it a nice day out there? Are you going out to a beautiful blue sky? It's a nice sunny day. So as I say, um, I'm going to be, you know, training for the, I, I train three times a day, actually, in the morning, in the afternoon, and later on in the evening. So I do have a packed day. Um, obviously, if I'm in court, uh, then um, I'll always do my training in the morning, full court day, uh, then later uh, do my training. Because on that, you've been, a, you've been a barrister, look, over 30 years? 39 years this year. So, um, yeah. You're still doing it now? Even now, uh, last week I had a conference because I've got a trial coming up. Uh, it's a sort of modern slavery trial I'm going to be doing in Southampton Crown Court. Wow. Uh, when I get back from New Zealand. Uh, so uh, even though the sound of New Zealand doing these wonderful quizzes, uh, trying to raising money for uh, uh, worthwhile charities, uh, I'm still going to be at some point uh, be preparing for the trial. So, yeah. You're doing, you're doing serious criminal jury trials in the UK. Yeah. Always have, always have them. And the reason for that, Simon, is because of the fact that, um, yes, um, I'm in a wonderful show uh, which has lasted for the best part of 14 years. Everybody may or may not know that I'm the world's first chaser. Really? Uh, but the one thing I don't take for granted uh, is I'm going to be commissioned for another series. Because remember, uh, I, the way in which I work my professional life is this, Simon. Uh, I'm only as good as my last closing speech as a lawyer. And secondly, as a quizzer, I'm only as good as last question I answered correctly. So I never, ever rest on my laurels. And as you know, as a barrister, uh, and as you know, as a, an eminent politician that you've been, that you've always got to prepare. Because if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. It's absolutely right. How, uh, one thing that occurs to me as I'm listening to you, I mean, what, how does being a courtroom jury trial lawyer compare with being a celebrity TV chaser on the chase? You know what? Um, I think you've even discovered it yourself. Uh, the one thing which law gives you, it gives you the ability to research, it gives you the ability to be confident, to be uh, 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 prepared to speak on your feet. And you've used, like me, those skills in a transferable way uh, into a different profession. So when you transfer to being a politician, you've used those skills when you're taught as a barrister yeah. uh, uh, to prepare, to be confident in what you say. Um, uh, to think on your feet where required. If you ask a question, which, uh, as I say, may throw uh, ordinary people off guard, but it, it teaches you uh, that ability to actually think on your feet uh, and to react to situations. So I'm grateful for the skills, and I'm sure you are too, uh, that uh, being a lawyer has taught you because you've used those skills in a transferable way to actually bring you into different arenas. Now you're in a different arena, being a brilliant sort of uh, uh, broadcaster stroke uh, podcaster. Well, I'll use that quote. That's going on the that's going on the references. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but I would be worried going back to and I couldn't now. I've been out for what is it? Over well over 15 17 18 years something like that. I'd be worried going back. Look, I might win the odd jury trial cuz I did them. Um uh we we somehow by chance I got a jury of people who thought like me politically. If I got a few of them who didn't, I'd lose the case for the poor old uh, accused in court. I mean, how does it go with you being so famous uh, with that judge and jury? They're not interested. It's two different arenas, right? And so it should be. I, you know, I don't have the advantage of being a famous uh, celebrity going into court because the one thing which doesn't change is the nature of the evidence. Yes. 
you know, my fame can't change the evidence. Yes. Uh, and if the evidence is overwhelming against my client, then it's overwhelming against my client. All I can do, if he or she wishes to pursue a not guilty plea, uh, is to, um, you know, present the case in the best way as I possibly can, knowing in relation to the fact that the reality is that I'm pushing a boulder up Everest. Right. Uh, but I would never ever advance a case where I knew that the client um, was guilty. And moreover, uh, if I felt that the case uh, uh, didn't uh, uh, warrant a trial and the evidence was so overwhelming right. that my client should plead guilty, then I will tell them that. Yes. Uh, the one thing as a lawyer, I'm sure uh, you've known, is you don't tell people what they want to hear. You tell them how it is. Yes. Uh, they may not agree with that point of view, especially uh, in your political life, in your career. Um you know, you, you tell them uh, with the conviction which you believe uh, what the position is, and that's how it should be. Absolutely. We're going to talk the chase. Um, I've I got one more sort of um, scrutinise your life question, if you like, Sean. Um, we've got another similarity or two. I mean, I know you, I think, as an independence parliament, I know you've been out on the um, the protest uh, uh, a court uh, in terms of the criminal defence lawyers and the like. What, what's going on there? Is it a sense of... Um, uh, injustice or what? What? What do you? Well, what? What? What it is? Uh, you, you know, obviously, in relation to the sort of uh, um, global economic situ uh, depression, which has affected not just the UK, but I'm sure it's also affected uh, uh, New Zealand. Uh, you know, people's living standards have basically considerably dropped yeah. uh, in relation to uh, you know their, their actual earnings. Yes, uh, and you know, obviously, there comes a time whereby uh, you can only be so supportive in relation to. Um, tightening your belt well there might there will come a time especially uh so far as my profession is concerned where uh, the legal aid was chronically underfunded for the best part of three decades and what you're basically what you're basically seeing was uh, a uh, a draining of talent in relation to uh, the existing lawyers whose morale had collapsed uh, and uh, young lawyers who were coming into the profession were basically uh, earning no less uh, than um no more than sadly uh, twelve thousand pounds per annum Okay. Now, to try and uh, live a, uh, you know, eke out a living, living in a city like London and other cities around uh, uh, the UK is extremely difficult. So it was important that we brought the message that it was not about, uh, you know, personal financial greed. It was about trying to restore parity in relation to uh, the earnings that uh, we should uh, have earned. So for me, um, I, as I say, I'm a barrister who happens to be on TV, not the other way around. Yes. Uh, so you know, it's important that for me to actually uh, support uh, a worthwhile cause such as, you know, trying to get a fair and just and equitable uh, financial uh, uh, pay settlement and to use my fame in a way um, to try and help support that cause. Thank you for that. And I'm sure that's something that many here, as you say, with some similar issues can identify with. I do want to switch base. I want to talk. Uh, the chase. I've I've got to tell you, Sean. Um, my my producer has somehow persuaded me that the idea of a quiz between you and I briefly is a good idea. Um, I'm not sure it is. I'm I'm going to caveat this because it is my show. Yeah. By saying uh, I've never put myself out there as having a great general knowledge. I know a lot about two or three very discreet areas. Uh, unlike you, who's an expert. So I'm going to say that. I'm going to. I'm going to be really clear. I'm definitely the underdog uh, in this. Chris Reid, who you met earlier, originally from Manchester. Take it away. Hello. Hello, Sean. Hello, Simon. Chris, how you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. Uh, so it's really simple. We've got 60 seconds each. Most correct answers <laughs> wins. Simon will go first, and then we'll come to you, Sean. 
if you don't know the answer, you can pass, and I'll tell you the answer at the end. So, Simon, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> oh, very qualified, yes. Okay. Right, here we go. Which country presently produces the most wine in the world? France. Italy. Who was Elton John's longtime lyricist? Bernie Taupin. Correct. What year did the Titanic sink? Oh, 1905. 1912. Who wrote the Foundation series of sci-fi novels? <laughs> no, Baz. Baz. Uh, you should know this one. What, what colour are the seats in the UK House of Commons? Green. Yes. What would you normally carry in a hod, H-O-D? Fish. Bricks. Uh, what is the name of the major river that flows through Perth in Western Australia? Oh. Fremantle? <laughs> Swan. Swan. I'm humiliating myself. Time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Now, now, listen, God. listen. You, you've not humiliated yourself because, as I say, I always say to people, it takes courage to do uh, a quizzing. If you're not used to it, it still takes courage, especially if you're facing a professional quizzer. So you've done very, very well, mate. Oh, shucks. Thank you. But let's just say this, Sean. If you don't beat that, maybe you need to stick to barrister work full time. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Okay, I should say also that these questions, I'm, I'm a good corporate citizen, so all these questions are from the Stuff Quiz, uh, and there are new general knowledge quizzes every morning and afternoon, seven days a week at stuff.co.nz. Right, Sean, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. IED stands for what type of explosive device? Uh, an incendiary explosive device. Improvised. What plastic gift were the Beatles given when they visited New Zealand in the 60s? Pass. Horseradish was the first commercially packaged and sold food stuff of what iconic food company? Pass. Heavy Lies the Crown is a misquote of a line from which Shakespeare play? Henry IV. Part. One. Two. Okay. Which cricketer was nicknamed White Lightning? Boss. Which pop superstar's birth name is Alicia Beth Moore? Pink. Yes. What is the name of the ship naturalist Charles Darwin sailed on during his voyage around the world? The Beagle. The word nerd is believed to have come into popular usage after it was coined by which famous children's author? Dr. Zeus. Correct. And the passes, the uh, plastic gift the Beatles were given was a ticky. And horseradish was the first commercially packaged and sold food stuff by Heinz. Okay. So the final score there was 3-2 for Sean. Well, I must say yours seemed a lot harder than mine, Sean. But, you know, who's counting it? But the score was close and I will take that. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. 
you'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. I, I should say, Sean, I mean, one thing that's, yep, there is some quizzing in New Zealand and you can go to a pub and I, I, I'm vaguely involved in one at a, at a hotel in the Auckland CBD, but um, your entree into the quiz world was, I presume, from the sort of the, the amateur scene, getting around that and quizzing. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's how we, uh, that's how most of um, um, the uh, professional TV quizzes, and uh, we are few and far between. We all started off, you know, doing pub quizzes. Me, it was basically having that sort of love and affinity of uh, TV quizzes uh, sitting on the comfort of my sofa. And I wanted to see how good I was because it's easy answering questions from the comfort of your sofa. And for me, I wanted to test myself um, to see how good I was. And if there was a prize at the end of it, then I'd claim it if I was the best. So that's how I got started. Uh, and, uh, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I ever envisage uh, that, um, you know, my love of uh, sort of um, quiz um being such a hobby would turn out to actually change my life so much uh that it's taken me virtually um to different parts of the world where uh, you know i'm fated for my sort of uh you know quizzing know-how but i mean what it what is amazing something i think very special and you can go and for anyone who's interested watch this on youtube going back to 2004 i think and you won mastermind you were the first black person in the uk up against several white men the topic was football specifically i think in the final bit fa uh cup since 1970 uh, you've yeah. got am i right it's john humphreys yeah is the is the is the guy asking the, you've got the the chair of the bbc giving you the prize yeah. um it's all very serious very formal i mean was that kind of how you broke into the really big time in this this thing um that that gave me this sort of national prominence. Uh, my first major win was a show called Greed with the late great Jerry Springer, mm. where I captained the team where we won a quarter of a million pounds, English pounds. Wow. But I suppose, uh, you know, winning Mastermind, being the first black person to apply, let alone going on to win it, uh, that really uh, catapulted me into the national consciousness. But ironically, after winning Mastermind, I retired from quizzing because I thought to myself, well, where could I go? They're not going to let me on who wants to be a millionaire because they know how good I was. So I stopped quizzing for about four years. Uh, then I was asked to come out of retirement because uh, I don't know if you have a programme called The Eggheads on, on, in New Zealand, but uh, that was the prominent quiz show uh, to be on. Um, and, and I got all the way to the grand final and I lost again. Uh, so I retired again. Uh, so in the autumn of 2008, um, I then get a phone call uh, from ITV asking me to take part in what they considered to be an exciting new game show concept. So I went along, along reluctantly. Uh, they asked me 30 questions. I only got two wrong. So they said to me, "How? Uh, what are you doing quizzing-wise? I said, look, I've retired from quizzing now. I said, oh, look, by the way, I'm on, because um, uh, it was being broadcast at the time, I'm on Are You an Egghead? They said to me, how, how did you do? I said, I'm not telling you. If you want to see how good I am, you watch it. So I walked out. So when they showed me losing the grand final uh, on December the 2nd, 2008, the following day, I get, get a phone call from ITV asking me to turn up to a pub on the Grazian Road in London, central London. When I walked in, I see to my left uh, uh, ITV executives and I see to my right uh, 40 
contestants wanting to play this exciting new game show concept called The Chase. So I beat every single one of them, hands down. Uh, so the ITV executives were really excited about it. So as I say, I'm the world's first chaser. So I was working on that show by myself for the best part of uh, four months. I had to go through three more um, auditions. Uh, and uh, once they were satisfied, they then brought in The Beast. And we then did the pilot at the old Granada Studios in Manchester. Uh, and uh, that was a day before my 49th birthday. Wow. And ironically, Simon, I was doing a murder trial on that day. <laughs> right. So the year before, I, the client I was representing, I, uh, I secured an acquittal from an unintended murder. So I went to him. I said, look, I need to do this pilot. He said, look, Sean, not a problem. So I went to go and see my leader, who was uh, the silk who was leading me in a murder trial. I said, look, I need to do this pilot. Can you let me go? He goes, look, Sean, as long as you get cover, that's fine. Because the trial was only lasting six weeks. Uh, so I went back to my client. I said, look, uh, for the first week, it's, no, it's not going to be anything uh, which is going to affect you. I'm going to have somebody who's going to sit in and take notes. So I, I had to pay my junior, uh, who was covering me, 5,000 English pounds. Uh, and I was getting £100 per show for all the pilots <laughs> and people might come out and say well that does not make economic sense but sometimes you've got to speculate to accumulate because i knew this was a good uh, format of a quiz show uh so when we did the first part when we did the very first show um mark did it uh he lost the very first show i won the second show by two seconds that's when i knew that this show was going to have legs and here i am 14 years later and what, 16 series? Uh, yeah, this is, this, is, yeah, this is series 16 at this present moment in time. We're now, we're now doing Beat the Chasers. You know, we won awards. You know, uh, I've been a guest chaser in, on the Australian version of the show. Yes. Um, and wherever I go in the English-speaking world, uh, I get recognised. Because the reality is it's, it's, um, it's a format that's used around the world, but in the likes of Australia and New Zealand, it's your show. You're, you're the big time over here, just as you are in the UK. 300,000 people watch it every night here in New Zealand. Yeah, and it's just um, uh, amazing. And when I found that out, uh, that's what made me want to actually come down to New Zealand and uh, you know, get to meet the people who watch the show uh, and uh, say thank you. And wherever I go, um, I'm treated like rock star royalty. And I, I take things like that in my stride. But as I say, for me, Simon, it's my way of saying thank you. So, you know, this is the third time I'm coming back to New Zealand. And, uh, you know, in conjunction with, as you can see, the, the Believe It or Not quiz uh, 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 organisation. Mm. So I'm going on a five city New Zealand tour uh, to support five worthy charities. And, um, you know, Auckland, um, Wellington, Hawke's Bay in particular, because you know that they had the sort of cyclone Gabrielle. Yes. So we're trying to raise as much money as we possibly can. Yes. Uh, and I'm also going to the southerly and most westerly city in New Zealand, Invercargill. Yes. And as well as Canterbury. You know, for me, Simon, um, it's all about trying to actually um, raise money, use my profile to raise money for these worthwhile charities we're supporting. And in particular, the first one I'm coming to, uh, is in Auckland on the 31st of May. So although there's still tickets available, I, you know, one of the things that this podcast is going to helpfully do is to actually raise awareness. You bet. Uh, that, uh, you know, I'm coming. Uh, we're going to have great fun. Uh, we're going to have a great time quizzing. And it's going to coincide with my 63rd birthday, which is on the 2nd of June. Outstanding. And look, I, I hesitate. To, I'll see you in Auckland and in Vicargill. This may seem like a weird recommendation, but go to the Truck Museum. I think it is the best 
truck museum in the world. I'm not that into trucks, but I reckon someone like you who has this motto, no information is useless information, you're going to get a lot out of that. Actually, the motorbike museum is some of the best motorbikes in the in the world. What I think is so impressive, Sean, about what you're doing is you're paying yourself to come yeah. over here. You know, you're paying for your, your fares and the like. As yeah. you say, you're doing several events, top of the north to the bottom of the south, where the proceeds are going to the likes of um, Lifeline, Youthline, well-known Kiwi charities. What's yeah. Well, yeah, You've sort of said to us, but let me just ask you again, and you, you tell us, what's driving that? What, why do you do that? You could be in the French, French Riviera or Sicily or, you know, the Maldives. Two reasons, uh, Simon. Firstly, as I say, with fame comes responsibility. And if I can use my fame in a way to try and help uh, support causes, uh, which, as I say, um, don't have the light shining upon them uh, in terms of the publicity, then I'm going to use my fame to try and actually bring the sort of uh, bright lights and the fame which I attract to that worthwhile cause to basically say, hey, public, the reason why I'm here is to actually support the, uh, uh, this wonderful cause. Uh, and secondly... Um, as I said to you before, you know, sometimes uh, it may sound strange, even though I've been sort of, you know, famous for the last 20 odd years, but I still think I'm living in a parallel universe. I, I'm sure you've read my autobiography where sometimes, I, you know, the ups and downs, you know, 23 years ago, I was Sean who? Now I'm one of the most people, sometimes people walk past and they see me and they just sort of break into hysteria. And, you know, it's nice. <laughs> It's a bit surreal. And I think to myself, yeah. Sean, is this really happening? So for me, uh, uh, in relation to the fact that the people um, love and respect what I do, for me to actually give something back to say thank you for making me famous. Because if you don't watch the show, the show goes. Yeah. It's just simple as that. Yeah. So for me, as I say, yes, um, I love New Zealand. Ever since I was a little kid, I was always fat. You know, my mate Brendan, um, who, as I say, is by and large responsible for help, you know, Brendan Lockhead, um, we've struck up a great, great friendship. And if it wasn't for me in relation to what he's done for me in terms of uh, introducing me to New Zealand people, the New Zealand way of life, the New Zealand culture, I love that guy as if he was my brother. Uh, so I'm really, really grateful to him and believe it or not, and the guys at New Zealand Sky for, you know, all the support they give me when I come to New Zealand, uh, because as I say, wherever I go, I'm fated and treated like like I'm a rock star. I remember you saying once, um, I don't know if this still means something, you, you called yourself not a role model, a goal model. Yeah. Run me through that. The reason why is because of the fact that, you you, you know what it's like, Simon. As I say, some people fate you like, a, 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 or they deify you like you're sort of some sort of god. But I'm a human like anybody else at the feet of clay. And when you when you put somebody up on a pedal store, if they do make mistakes, and I've made mistakes in my life, in my professional career, I don't hide things like that. It's it's well documented. But the fall from grace can be swift. Uh, so I like to say I'm a goal model in relation to uh, the goals which I've set, uh, the challenges which I've overcome. Uh, they should be the source of inspiration for people to actually uh, follow. Uh, and um, if you do, I always say, don't match my achievements, surpass them. You already said you're going to be 63 over here, early June. What's on the bucket list? What are you What are you going to do? Have you got any sense of that? Is Brendan lined up, I don't know, oysters by the beach or... You get any sense of that yet? Well, well, I, I know that I know that we're going to be hosting a quiz on my birthday, which is going to be good. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and Where is that one? 
Uh, you know? I think that's going to be at Eden Park. Um, right. Well, I'll be, so, basically, I can tell everyone I'm sharing Sean Wallace's birthday with him. Yeah, it was brilliant. That's lovely. I might have to come along with a little present. I don't know what it'll be yet, but you know, I'll, I'll think of something. Maybe a plastic tiki. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good enough for the Beatles, right? It was good enough for the Beatles. And um, you packed a lot in 63 years. Are you, are you happy with what you've done to date? Um, and what, what do you think the coming years have got for you? You know, as, as I say, I've still got uh, a, a lot to achieve. I've still got a lot to uh, um, um try and achieve so far as I'm concerned. Remember I said to you before, uh, all success does is bring you to the start line of a different challenge. So it's always important about setting goals and challenges. And that's why I keep myself sort of fit and healthy because I want to be as active as I possibly can, uh, can uh, going into my 70s, 80s, hopefully 90s. Uh, and uh, if you do that by uh, living well, eating healthily, exercising well, uh, trying to be as uh, independent as you possibly can in your advancing years, then I don't see why I can't keep on going. Because as I say, by and large, I've been self-employed all my life as a, a, a professional English barrister. Uh, as a quizzer, I was, okay, I work for ITV and I've done so for the last 20 odd years. But um, it's about setting different goals and challenges uh, uh, and uh, trying to actually break out the straight jacket of being known as a lawyer, as a quizzer, to try and do other things. As you know, I've written an autobiography uh, and... and um, you know, that was a wonderful experience, you know, documenting my life, the first 48 years of my life. And I wanted people to um, know uh, uh, the person behind the personality, uh, because it's easy for people to basically say you were born clever, you were born rich and you were born famous. No, I wasn't. Because 21 years ago, 25 years ago, I was Sean Who. You could walk past the road, walk past me down the street, you wouldn't even know or even care who I was. Uh, but... Um, and it's important to know the journey which I've achieved can be achieved by anybody. Yes, you do need that. Uh, um, the one thing I always say about success, especially in the public eye, it's 99% luck, 1% talent. Uh, because uh, there are far more people who are talented, uh, better talented than me in terms of being a quizzer, being a lawyer. But um, for me, it's about taking the opportunities when they present themselves because everybody needs that support to get to the next level, to be seen by the right person. But as I always say, uh, once you jump from the chorus line to becoming the lead singer, make sure you can sing, because if you can't, <laughs> you can. Well, you know, that's an interesting um, thing that you say, because I think what we know is that uh, Bradley on the chase, I'm not sure he thinks you can sing. Oh, no, well, he's, he's brought out two albums. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can sing. Uh, I mean, I, I saw the actual, we just finished, uh, we, we did the first part of uh, uh, Beat the Chasers, uh, and the person who created the music, Paul Farrer, uh, he saw me and he said, oh, because Sean, my favourite singer, because one Christmas special, I was dressed up in a, a white tuxedo and a sort of uh, bow tie, and I was singing with Bradley on the piano. Um, so <laughs> what's your go to in terms of sort of songs, you know, genre? There's uh, something you'd sort I, of I, say, I, That's I, me, and that's what I'll always do, right? Okay, uh, uh, tomorrow I'm doing another podcast, uh, um, uh, podcast radio interview tomorrow, so I'll be playing sort of my 10 favorite songs, yes. Uh, uh so I, I like a mixture of uh, uh, people like Diane. D'Angelo, you may, may not have heard of him. One of the best yes. albums of all time is called Voodoo, 
in 2000. My best uh, uh, favourite song of all time, uh, I mentioned it in the uh, uh, opening chapters of my book, was Babylon Sisters by Steely Dan. I used to love Steely Dan yes. as a kid. Um, yes. Grover Washington, I like a bit of jazz, I like a bit of hip-hop. Uh, you know, a time called Quest. If you uh, on my wall there, I can just see um, uh, a, a lovely drawing of both Biggie Smalls and a time called Quest. So, you know, I just like an eclectic mix of music, really. Absolutely, fair. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Sean. You can expect a Beatles style plastic ticky coming your way <laughs> uh, on your 63rd birthday at Eden Park, uh, Auckland. <laughs> We finish this the way we do every time with just a few questions uh, we call general knowledge. And given, you know, your general knowledge, you should be pretty good at this. Okay. If you could be somebody else for a day, who would you be? My favourite person in, in history uh, is Alexander the Great. Oh. Um, you know, the man who virtually conquered the uh, virtual known world by the time he was in his mid-twenties. And, and um, I suppose uh, the reason why he's a hero of mine is because he never lost a battle. And his steely, his steely determination and drive helped him basically conquer uh, most of the known world. So if I could be one person for the day, it'd be him. Not bad. I like that. What's your most embarrassing, can you think, what's your most embarrassing moment? Oh, oh they are... Uh, uh, too uh, many to mention. I can't think of one at the moment. I would imagine uh, what happened to me the other day, um, because I, as I say, I, I train every single day. Uh, so I was um, I was doing my sort of pull up pull ups on the bar, and I injured my arm to such an extent. It's like I sort of tore the socket out of my arm. Anyway, the following day uh, I couldn't do it, so I went riding on a bike, and I was riding in the middle of a busy public road. And I lost control of it, and I fell over on the same shoulder. Oh. And everyone came looking at me, and I, uh, you know, they thought I really injured myself. Luckily, I hadn't. But what was wounded uh, uh, was my pride because I was so embarrassed at the way I basically <laughs> sort of fell over. Uh, so you know, it, it's a that's a latest of a long list of sort of embarrassing moments. But that was the latest one I could say. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to dwell. I feel like Bradley also says you provide the biggest amount of bloopers on the chase. Is that fair or unfair? Uh, uh, it, it's fair uh, to a degree, but uh, as I say, you should see his bloopers. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I always say to him, it takes one to know one. Uh, okay. If money were no object, what would be the first three things, three things you would buy? If money was no object, uh, I would buy... I suppose houses for my siblings mm. to make sure that they were comfortable. Mm. Fantastic. You're, what, you're, you're, you're one of like, four? Right. I've got uh, an elder sister, uh, Rose, on my dad's side. I've got an elder sister, Sandra, on my mum's side. And in the marriage, I was uh, the firstborn. Then I had my sister, Debbie, who had a 62nd birthday last week, mm -hmm. and my younger brother, Steve. Outstanding. Family's important. Which famous actor would play you? in the movie of your life? If I had to choose one, uh, it would probably be Will Smith. Nice. I like that. As long as he doesn't punch anyone when he gets the awards for it uh, <laughs> at the end of it. What's the strangest tradition in your family? Um, I, I don't think we have a strange tradition. I suppose with me, uh, let's see, uh, the one thing which I always do, uh, I, mean, I mean, you sound really boring, 
But ever since I was ever since I started doing TV quizzing, I would always train beforehand. And I'm gonna let you into a secret. Uh, just before <laughs> I do my just before I do the chase, uh in my in my dressing room, I always do a hundred uh, uh um stomach uh, crunches, 40 press-ups, um every time, uh, ever since I've been doing the chase. Then somebody comes in and gives me a warm-up for about 20 minutes to test me to get me in the mood. You go on ripped, pumped, and mentally Ready fit. to go. Ready to go. Outs outstanding. Lucky last. If you could choose to stop aging at any age, and we know you're turning 63 very soon, which would you choose? Um, well, I think I look good for 63. So... <laughs> Outstanding. There's your answer. Well, that that might mean you have to stay in New Zealand for the rest of your life. So you know, Maybe, see how yeah. you go. But and, and and I know you're a big All Black sport supporter. You might have to stay. Hey, Sean, it's been fantastic having you on. Generally famous. We really deeply appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you in New Zealand. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Generally Famous Stuff podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black, and audio editor John Rupiha. I'm Simon Bridges. Really appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz slash support. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? Yeah, what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry? There's a sport that regulates sock height? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Listener.